Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from HarperCollins, presenting The Angel of Rome by Jess Walter, a stunning collection of tender and brilliant stories about the moments when life changes you, for the better or the worse. I met the Angel of Rome on a cool autumn evening in the year of my reinvention, 1993. I was what you might call a work in progress then, a shy, sheltered 21-year-old in Europe for the first time with a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to study Latin at the Vatican. That's Eduardo Ballerini reading from The Angel of Rome, the latest story collection by best-selling author Jess Walter. A starred Kirkus review says that you should prepare for delight, and you should. The Angel of Rome by National Book Award finalist Jess Walter. Available now wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I am here in Rome. Tiffany is currently not with me because Aurelio has a bit of a fever this morning. However, I'm here with a very special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Darlene. (laughs) And I'm here in Rome uh, exploring whether I want to live here or not. Yeah, so... If you don't remember, you have heard of Darlene, if not off the top of your head. She's written in uh, several notes that we've actually talked about on the show. But just to remind everybody, when you first introduced yourself, what was going on in your life? Okay, so I was living in New York City and dreaming for years uh, about living in Italy. I wrote into the show asking a lot of different questions and really just contemplating how to get here. Do I want to do a master's program? Is there some other way I can get here? And I'm also 40 at this point. And when I wrote in, I was 38 and wondering if it's too late in my life to make this huge move. Well, it turns out it's not too late, but it doesn't make things easier for sure. (laughs) And you also had like you had a dream job, like you had a lot of things in place that were lovely, like dream job, great group of friends, pretty happy with your life in general. But yeah, I was happy with my life. I had a great apartment that I had just redecorated, to be honest. Um, A lot of friends, a lot of family, because I'm from New York originally. So everyone was there. I work as a textile designer. It's my dream job, like Katie was saying. I, I loved my job. And so was I wouldn't be moving for that. It was just this dream I had of moving here that I had since, I, I want to say since I was 15 or 16 years old, that never left my head. So I have family here going back. It's my mother's family, and I would come every three or four years to visit them. And then I decided to study abroad when I was in college in Urbino and after that experience it never left my head it was just something that kind of haunted me and then before I knew it I was I had a steady boyfriend a job and didn't leave that's not to say I didn't travel I've lived a lot of different places but Italy was always in the back of my head something that I needed to do so So, I mean, once you finally make the plunge like how did you decide measuring all these great things How did you decide that you were going to go to Italy anyway? I think I just decided that for whatever reason that I wasn't going to be happy until I did it. And it was going to be something that I would regret versus I thought that like not making the plunge, I would regret more than making the plunge and having it be a huge mistake. 
basically. And so I was weighing that. And I thought also I had gotten to a point professionally that I thought maybe it's possible for me to recreate that somewhere else or bring that experience with me in some way and make it work on a freelance basis. Mm -hmm. So I was confident enough, I guess, in my job, uh, in my profession at that point to make the plunge, which I ended up being right. I think sometimes when you make that jump, like the net the net is there. You just have to believe in it. And luckily that worked out for me. But that's not to say it wasn't rocky because <laughs> I arrived here and six months later came COVID. My dating experience has been undesirable to say the least. <laughs> not a complete disaster, but not great and not successful. But other than that, I think um, it's been a pleasant surprise in a lot of different ways. It hasn't been what I exactly what I thought it would be, but it also has been has been good, and I'm happy I, happy I've done it. What was the contrast like? What did you think it was going to be like? I mean, I guess I had chosen to do a master's program, so I'll tell you where I've been. I've been in Bolzano, which is in the region of Alto Adige, all the way in the north, which is used to be at one point Austria so it's very German influenced when you go there you don't really necessarily feel like you're in Italy and I studied the Italian language I have family so it was a language that have been around my whole life and then I wasn't <laughs> I haven't really been able to use it because the master's program I've been in is in English the town speaks there's a lot of German everywhere you go and so that was a little disappointing to me, but it was never, I never thought I'd be there for long. I thought six months, I'll start this master's program and then I'll explore where I move next. But instead of that happening, COVID hit and it changed the whole course of my experience. And luckily I made some friends at the, the first six months I was there and that was able to help me with the whole experience. I ended up almost finishing the master's I'm at the point of the thesis now which I'm actually happy about I think it's helped me professionally it's helped me meet people here and I'm happy about that but it, it was not the trajectory I thought I was on <laughs> so um so it's been interesting but so I think yeah you just have to be open to other realities and then now I'm I'm really happy that now I can finally do the trips and the things that I thought I would be doing when I first arrived <laughs> yeah because you did end up getting totally stuck in the region that you didn't plan on ever spending much time in, which is interesting. Yeah, and I've made a lot of friends that now that I'm exploring where to live, I miss those friends and I think about like, oh, well, is home where your friends are or is home the place geographically that makes more sense for you? Because I feel like I need to be in a city. Like uh, immediately when I arrived in Florence, well, I went to Florence first to explore Florence. And immediately I felt like an energy that I hadn't felt in the two years I've been in Bolzano, two and a half years I've been in Bolzano, that I was like, oh, I feel like I can stay here, I can be here. And then, you know, slowly, slowly I started to see the issues of, or things that weren't particularly you know, the best place for me. I think um, for me, Florence, there's a lot of Americans and I was looking for a place where I can really like immerse myself in the language more. And so I thought, okay, let me go on to Rome because that was my initial idea. And I think with Rome, I'm really liking it. There, there are obvious issues with the chaos of the city and the transportation, but I do really love it here so far. I love the city life. But I'm still struggling with that idea of is home where your friends are or is home 
where you feel most comfortable. Because when I walk down the street here, I feel really comfortable. I feel an energy that's similar to New York. Everyone laughs when I say it's like New York, but it's not about the place. It's about the energy I feel <laughs> when I walk down the street. You're kind of on the grand tour right now of Italy, trying to figure out where, if you move, you will go, basically. Yeah. Is there a possibility that you will end up back in Bolzano? There's a tiny possibility. I'm not going to lie. There's a tiny possibility. But at the same time, the experience in Bolzano of leaving New York and going to such a small place with mountains and nature has made me almost feel like I need something in between the chaos of New York City and the nature of Bolzano. Like maybe there's some little happy place in between. Like people, maybe three or four people have recommended Bologna to me. And I, I, it's one of the places I've never been in it. I've been throughout most of Italy um, but B Bologna I've never been so it's a place that now I feel like maybe I need to go and see what those people think and why they think I should be there I don't know if that's going to be my spot but now I'm curious and I wasn't really curious about Bologna before so you've been to Florence you're you're in Rome now you're told me you're heading to Naples after this and I've been to Naples for two or three days before. And to be honest, I'm horrified at crossing the street there. And I'm from a city. And like, I feel like you just have to close your eyes and decide that it's okay if you die and get hit by a car. <laughs> but, so so I've, I, Naples, I don't know if that's going to be the winner. But everyone, because I love the sea. And I, I really, really love the sea. And I love city life. Everyone, a lot of people have told me Naples is, is a good place to go. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time there, about a week and a half, which is definitely I don't recommend doing a week in every place you want to explore living because you, I think you need to be in a place at least a month. I wouldn't follow my footsteps in that. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I've gotten a month and I'm staying a month in Rome and I think that is a really good decision because I've been here about a week and a half and I'm starting to feel like I'm understanding the place. Whereas Florence, I was there a week and a half and as I was leaving, I was like, wait, but I'm starting to finally see where the layers of things are and, and where there might be like some interesting spots I want to explore more, but I was on my way out already. So mm -hmm. I think you really do need about a month at least to really kind of explore every part of the city or every part of a place that interests you and, and really sort of understand it. And I also recommend kind of doing what locals do or what you would personally do on a daily basis. Like for me, for instance, I, um, I work remotely, but I love to go to a cafe and work. So I immediately thought, okay, let me take the metro and go to a cafe and find that and do that and see how that feels to me. And how long does it take me to take the metro? How long does it take me to meet a friend for dinner afterwards? And just those like logistics, you can't just go, okay, I'm going to see the Colosseum and I'm going to see the Trevi Fountain and then make a decision whether I want to live in Rome. I don't, I don't recommend that. Right, right. Because obviously if you live here, you're not going to be hanging out at the Trevi Fountain. Exactly. So how is it landing so far? I mean, you've only had a week and a half, but how's it landing? I've only had a week and a half. I've met with a couple people professionally that are helping me with my thesis or my thesis research. And that's been really good to talk to locals and talk to people and, and make some contacts. I've really enjoyed it for, for that reason, just like those connections and really seeing how warm people are. I love the people and I love the energy of the city. What I'm not loving is the transportation issue. But I think with the way that I, the way that my job is and how I work remotely, 
that could work for me. If I was going into an office every day, I think I might think twice about moving here. But I think with the way that my work is, it could work. And I think you, I would have to find a neighborhood that I love and then stay there and really enjoy that neighborhood and get to know that neighborhood. What has this been like for you to do alone? It's challenging. I will say that. Like, Florence, I got a little sad <laughs> that I was alone in that, like, it's hard. I don't mind breakfast and lunch and w- working hours and finding cafes. And I love that alone time of, like, reading a book and and spending time outside. And the warm weather has helped. But dinner time really makes me sad when I'm alone because I, I, I don't like to, like, eat dinner by myself. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's my Italian heritage speaking because I'm, always, like, growing up, I always ate meals with a lot of people. And so I do have that Italian heritage that's like we're always with a lot of family and a lot of friends. And so I think that's hard for me. But other than that, I'm a good traveler alone. I've done a lot of solo travel. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy being on the road by yourself? I I I do and I don't. I think it's that same thing of like mealtime I don't like. But I do like exploring alone. I think it's different now with like social media. I think if you need a little spice of attention from someone and you take a photo. But I remember solo travel in my early 20s before social media. I would have this moment of like, I really wish I could show someone what I'm seeing right now. And that would make me a little sad. Whereas now I feel like we're so connected. If I feel alone, I can make a video call really quickly and talk to a friend. And I don't know if that's I don't know. But for me, it works. I don't know. I feel like I've done so much solo travel that I'm okay with it. Yeah. One of the big questions we get all the time is how to, in your 40s, say, how to get a job, how to make Italy work. And I mean, we should highlight that you are, you can actually qualify for an Italian citizenship based on your heritage, right? Yes. I think that if you can qualify with your heritage, you should do it right away and go through that process. I've dragged my feet on the process because I decided to go through a permesso di studio first because it was just the easiest, fastest path. I have some issues with documentation. My grandmother changed her name a thousand times. My mother, it's a lot of bureaucracy. I need a lawyer. And so I decided to just put that off. But I think if you have a clear path to that, it's the way to go because it will make life here so much easier. I can't tell you how many times I've already renewed my paperwork and I've waited months just to get my permesso renewed and just the red tape I've gone through. And if you can find some way to get around that, I would do it. And I also think your 40s, I think there are so many different things you can do. I have a friend who's teaching English in Naples right now. I have another friend who's teaching English in France. And they love it. They both had completely different careers beforehand. So I think it's just make a list of the things that you don't mind doing or you can see yourself doing that aren't necessarily your current career and then go for it. I mean, for you, because you're an artist and you have a a lot of skills other people don't have, you were fairly confident that you would be able to get freelance work even if you were over here. Um, Has that been relatively easy or was that like a struggle alongside of everything else? To be honest, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was relatively easy. But I didn't know it was going to be easy. I, I have like 
a real extreme imposter syndrome where I don't think I'm talented and I don't think I'm ever going to get work. So uh, as soon as like I maybe like, I don't know, work kind of fizzles and I like have a couple weeks of downtime, I immediately go into panic mode. Like I'm going to be in extreme poverty and like I'm never going to get work again, but it always finds me. And uh, now I have a track record of three years without any gaps of work. And I mean... I've been lucky and I think it's because as a freelancer I think it's very easy to get in your own head and think oh at some point I'm gonna fail it's right now it's working but at some point it's all gonna go away you know (laughs) and so you do live in fear a little bit but I have been lucky that professionally it's it's worked out so I don't think everyone can make it happen but I do think that the net finds you if you just jump there's something that may happen that'll help you What do you think the, the hardest thing when you jumped and you found that net? What, what was the hardest thing that you had to let go of to be able to jump? I think my friends. I think that I have a really strong friend network. I'm a very social person. So if I'm left alone, even though I say, OK, I don't mind solo travel and I love, you know, reading a book by myself. If I don't have like a social circle, I can go in like, you know, deep dive into like a depression. So I I had to like kind of believe in myself and say like, I can find my people anywhere. And I just, there's a way to do And I think there is a way and you're always going to be alone. And my suggestion for that, which was advice my mother gave me when I was a teenager, she said, if there's no one around and you want to make friends, just make a friend with anyone, even if they're not your person. Maybe they're not your group of people, but just talk to them because that person's going to talk to somebody else and that person's going to talk to somebody else. And eventually you're going to find your people through that first person you spoke to. So you just have to like keep digging until you find your people. And I've taken that advice with me wherever I go. I just kind of talk to everybody and then hope eventually I meet someone that's similar or that I kind of vibe with yeah I guess that's part of the big question because you you found some of your people in Bolzano now (laughs) you know and now you're thinking of like leaving them all behind it's almost like you're gonna you're you're not gonna start totally again but you're starting again if you choose to move yeah it's a I'm not gonna lie it's a bit exhausting because I think the first time you do it it's exciting and you have all these expectations but then the second time it's kind of like oh wow do I want to go through that alone time again do I want to go through and so it is something in the back of my mind but then I almost feel like when you start to travel it becomes this thing that you understand okay I did it once I can do it again Mm -hmm. and because like I lived in South Korea I taught English in South Korea I lived in Hawaii for a year I lived in California for a year and where else and I lived in Thailand so I feel like I've learned through those experiences that even if it gets terrible there's like something on the other side that's going to be spectacular and worth doing thailand was a complete disaster i won't go back there (laughs) but all my other travel experiences have been great now we're like well what happened in thailand my gosh oh my it was um my father lived in thailand for seven years and so i went a total of four times it's not my country I got into a motorbike accident and I ended up in an island hospital in Koh Samui. I had hit something in the road. Um, I fishtailed and then I went, I, I flew 10 feet in the air and almost went off a cliff. Oh my. And my, my ex-boyfriend was on the back of the bike. He is just very agile. <laughs> he just jumped up and grabbed me, pulled me. And so I almost died. Then ended up in this island hospital where they told me nothing was broken and I'm like, 
oh, there's something broken. <laughs> so we had to we had to somehow make our way uh, with a tuk tuk and a, a ferry and then a, to another plane back to Bangkok where my father was to go to a real hospital to get everything taken care of. And then I think we were robbed. We had some issues on a train. It was just like, I felt like every experience traveling there was just a disaster. And it was because I didn't do it in a smart way. We were in our 20s and we thought, oh, we can just backpack through Thailand the way we would backpack through Europe, which is not true. You need to be a little bit wiser and a little, <laughs> a little bit more cautious. And then I went a fourth time, I was, working for a company that was importing product and so I was on a company card and I was staying at a, a resort and I was working with a broker and that was a lovely experience I was getting a massage every day and you know but like doing it the other way was terrible and so I just have I don't know I just realized that I guess as a young person you have to be smart where you go and and just a little bit more careful and that was also I want to say 10 years ago, which now it's changed a lot traveling in Asia. I think it's a completely different thing now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is like identifying where your spot is. Yeah, it's interesting, your idea of this notion of like having to start over and knowing that there can be good on the other side, but the exhaustion of starting over also. And I think for me, that was something that really hit home when we moved to San Francisco. And I, I got to a point two years in where I just felt like starting over here is doesn't feel like it's working for me you know like it wasn't that it was unpleasant or you know it's a lovely city and I met great people but it did feel like this is going to be such a heavy lift to start over here not only professionally but just like financially because the city's so expensive I need to really love it here to make this happen and I kind of ha had to realize like I I really don't I don't love it enough to make do everything that it's going to take and I guess I wonder from you, you know, in landing in Italy and now in your big exploration, have you found at its fundamental that you love it here enough to make it a permanent thing? I think it's a lot of energy. I think you leave a lot of things behind and you kind of also you have friends and family that may call you selfish or may call you, you know, or just have different views of what you're doing. Like, why are you doing that when you have so, you have family here or you have so many friends here, you know? a lot of people won't understand what you're doing and I think that's that's also a battle but going going back to what you said like that that exhaustion I think you just have to decide what you want enough you know but you were talking about two years in I mean that's a lot of time in and I think what that is I think that I was talking to someone about is that it might take five years for you to find a doctor that you like it might take five years for you to find a hairdresser that you like or all those things you know and I think it depends on what type of person you like if those things matter to you I'm the type of person who if I get a really bad haircut I kind of laugh about it and walk away <laughs> but I have friends that if they got a bad haircut like that would be the end of their month you yeah. know so I think it also like it really depends also on your personality and like what matters to you and what sets you off I kind of thrive on not being comfortable on, on some level, <laughs> not on every level, but on some level. I think for me, the biggest challenge is dating. Mm. That I haven't found a rhythm yet. That's the thing that would make me think twice, how much am I invested in this place, you know? Because with work, for instance, 
I'm kind of stuck in between where I work for a U.S. company. So I never feel completely immersed here. And that's good and bad. Like, it's good because I have financial stability, but it's bad because I never feel like I'm completely in the Italian life that I'm living. And so I don't necessarily recommend that to somebody else. I think on some level, I wish I could just quit my job and get a job in a bar somewhere. But I'm, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> on some way, on some level, I wish I could just move to a small town, get a job in a bar and just like live a whole alternate life. And I think when you're 25, you can do that because you, you haven't established yourself yet. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to do that because it's just not it's just not possible at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. And you're I mean, you've also found something you're kind of passionate about working it toward. You know, you're not just floating about willing to do anything. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's the challenge for someone older that does it. I think at 20, 25, you can say like, ah, I don't have anything going on. You know, I'll just leave my parents' house or, or leave my my crappy apartment that I can't afford anyway and <laughs> just go off, you know. <laughs> well, uh, since you mentioned dating, and I know that is something people worry about when they move to a, a foreign country is, you know, if I'm single and I want to meet somebody, how will I ever meet somebody in a, in a foreign country? Particularly if you're still learning the language or, you know, all of the factors that go in there. What has it been like for you? It's been interesting, to say the least. That's another reason I wanted to leave Bolzano because um, originally dating there, I feel like geographically it really affects what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like the culture there is rock climbing and hiking. And I don't necessarily like those things. I also had a leg injury some years ago that will prevent me from ever being a major rock climber. So that's just logistically not going to work for me. And so um, I think that you really have to think geographically of like, what are the things I like to do? Do I like to go to a museum? Do I like to go to films? And then put yourself in that place to meet the person that you want to meet. And that was something that is obvious, but I didn't follow that rule. And so I had trouble dating in Bolzano. And then also culturally, like I ended up meeting someone there who was living in Milan, but he's from um, the South. He's from Basilicata. And for me, um, I mean, I don't want to name names on a podcast, but... <laughs> For me, culturally, it was too different to date someone so far from the South because there was like, jealousy and just a lot of cultural differences. I'm a very independent person, and I think that sometimes there's a clash. And so I learned very quickly that I have to find an Italian who's a little bit more culturally similar to me. Maybe that's in the North. That's something that I've been thinking a lot about is that my family's from the north of Italy, and then culturally, I find that those guys are a little bit more open to, like, a more American-type relationship, whatever that means. And I'm making very stereotypical comments right now, <laughs> yeah. but it is my experience. <laughs> well, I mean, it's what it means to you, too, like, the kind of relationship you're personally looking for, you know? Yeah, it does, does depend, like, what you want from a relationship. Do you want to always be together do you want to um you know i'm a very independent person sometimes i get an idea that i need to do some random trip to go to see some random thing because i can't get it out of my head and so i need to be with a person who's like okay darlene's gonna do her weird thing right now and i'm gonna be here doing my thing <laughs> and, yeah. and that's okay and i think that that's not that's also just like not easy to find in general so i don't think it's like an italian versus american thing i think that that's just you have to find a partner who's kind of on the same rhythm as you and so that's been my challenge because I'm a very complex person. <laughs> You're definitely gonna have to let us know where you end up because 
I am personally going to be very curious about where you go. Yeah, I will definitely stay in touch. If anyone has any recommendations for a part of Italy that's maybe somewhere in between uh, the vibe of New York City and Bolzano, which is a lot. <laughs> it's a huge range. A huge gap between the two things, but that's what I'm exploring. And um, yeah, I think everyone, if they're thinking about moving abroad, should make the plunge and do it. If it's been at the back of your head for longer than six months, a year, it's still there. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Um, But until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Thanks for joining me. It was so fun to meet you in person. So fun to meet you. I'm so glad we got to meet Katie. I'm sorry that I missed Tiffany this time. I know. She (laughs) was very sorry to miss you as well. But we will, uh, if you move to Rome, no doubt we'll see each other again. So. So. (laughs) All right. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. Bye-bye. The Bittersweet Life is created and produced by me, Katie Sewell. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. If you're traveling to Rome this summer, set up a tour with Tiffany by writing to bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Our intern this summer is Allison Kramer. We will be hitting the streets of Rome on the podcast all summer long, so if you know anyone who loves Italy, tell them about the show and recommend that they subscribe. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory, featuring the art of our muse, Caravaggio. If you support the show, either through Patreon or PayPal, you will receive a handwritten thank you note in the mail and our logo on a magnet. It's just what your fridge or car bumper is missing. Listener support is vital to the continuation of this show. If listening has become a valued part of your week and you have the means... Help us pay the bills by throwing a 5 or a 10 or a 20 in the hat, just as you would if you saw a street performer in Rome that you really love. You can find links to donate in the show notes or at thebittersweetlife.net. And my thanks to Drew Atkins for helping design the new website. Bittersweet Life.